words from Psalm 98. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord your King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Let's bow in a moment of prayer, shall we? God, here we are this morning. We come into your house praising you for your faithfulness, uh, giving thanks for your mercy, and seeking your joy. Thank you for creating us, for giving us life and breath. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, and for the Holy Spirit, whose presence here unites us as your people. So fill us today with your peace and uh, receive our worship that we offer to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Well, we come to the last message in this series called Praying for a Change. When we started nine weeks ago, uh, I said that I wanted to encourage us uh, about the boundless possibilities of prayer. See, it's easy to feel guilty about our lack of prayer. And who among us would say that we pray as much as we should? We could all pray more. We probably ought to pray more. But that has not been my main point in this series because I don't think that that's what the New Testament or how the New Testament addresses this subject. As I read the Bible, it seems that the writers of Scripture stress over and over again that prayer is a gift. Prayer is a privilege and not a heavy burden to be hung over our heads. That's why I've tried to stress the promises of prayer and to encourage us to just jump in and start praying, even if we don't know all there is to know about prayer. All we have to do, uh, the Bible says, is to ask and to seek and to knock, and it starts right there. But we all, I think, can agree that sometimes prayer is not easy. There are moments in our lives when all of us uh, feel that we can hardly pray at all. Maybe you've had the experience of being in a hospital, seeing a loved one being wheeled into surgery and feeling very helpless. Then they disappear behind the door of the operating room and you bow your head and you try to pray, but no words come out. And you think, that's never happened before. You've always been able to find words to frame your thoughts, but suddenly you can't pray. Perhaps it was a combination of fatigue from the long hours at the hospital or the shock of the prognosis or the look on your loved one's face or the unspoken fear that something might happen to this person you care so much about. But sitting alone in that confused and exhausted and frightened state, you bow your head and try to pray, but no words come out. No thoughts even come to your mind. No Bible verses. All you can do is maybe even stammer out, God have mercy. And then you know that God had answered your prayers, even though you couldn't put those words together. I've had experiences like that. My guess is that some of you have as well. Even though um, uh, you've, but in the process, you've learned something very profound about prayer. The more something means to us, I believe, the harder it is to pray for The reason we can pray more easily for others is that we're not as deeply invested in in some things. It's relatively safe to say a brief prayer for people in some other part of the world. After all, we don't know them personally. We may never meet them. We don't have any personal investment in them. 
But it's, very, it's much different when we try to pray for those who are close to us. The more we care, the harder it is to pray. When it comes to those things in life that really, really matter, our spouse, our children, our loved ones, those things are hard to pray for because they're so close to our heart. Well, it is precisely at this point that our text this morning uh, is so crucial. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, just two verses this, uh, today, but assures us that when we can't pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. When we cannot find the words, the Holy Spirit speaks to the Father with groans that can't be put into words. And when we aren't sure how to pray, the Holy Spirit is praying for us according to the will of God. This is a wonderful promise that God has made to us because as we go through life, we face many situations uh, where we simply don't know how to pray. In those moments, we can be sure that God the Holy Spirit is praying for us. So I want to break these two verses down uh, this morning for us to take a look, closer look at them. The first part of verse 26 says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Now the word helps uh, that Paul uses here is a very rich word uh, that pictures someone helping another person carry a heavy load. Uh, picture this in your mind. There's someone who's trying to drag this enormous log and it's so heavy they can barely move it. But along comes a, another strong person who can help pick up the other end and together uh, they carry the log down the road. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He continually comes to us and he helps us to carry our heavy loads. We need the Spirit's help because we're weak. Paul uses another word here and the word is weakness and it's the same word used in James chapter five for sickness. And it refers to those moments in life when we are physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually just exhausted. Circumstances have combined to push us over the edge. But it refers to more than momentary difficulty. Weakness uh, is our condition on this earth. We are inherently weak and unable to help ourselves. And some of us realize that and the rest of us are just trying to muddle through on our own. But here's the proof. The Apostle Paul says, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. And this is one of our main problems in prayer. How many times have we tried to pray and we don't know what to ask for from the Lord? This happens often when we're faced with a crisis or when we're trying to pray for someone else. In the first place, we don't know uh, the future, so, how, uh, so we can't tell exactly how things are going to turn out. Secondly, we don't know what's best for us. We may think we want a new job because we can't stand our boss, but when we get that new job, we find out we also have a boss who's 10 times worse. See, often our circumstances look better on the other side of whatever our situation is. Only when we get there, we discover we've just exchanged one set of problems for another. We don't know what to pray for because our vision is so limited. We see only a tiny fraction of the universe, and our perspective is inevitably tainted by selfishness. How can we be sure that what we are praying for is what God wants for us? The Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. Chapter 6, verse 12 is a verse that it really kind of intrigues me because I'd love to know the state of mind of the writer as he wrote this because he sounds awfully depressed. But here's what, he, here's what the writer says. 
in the few days of our meaningless lives. That's how he begins this verse. In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows how our days can best be spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we're gone? Well, the answer is we don't know what's good for us. When we were little, you know, our mothers would say, eat your broccoli, it's good for you. Uh, but as you get to be an adult, sometimes we're not so sure what's good for us anymore. Uh, we're not so sure about anything. I want to tell you the story of uh, Dr. James Montgomery Boyce, who was for over 30 years the pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. This was a, he was a leading voice for the Presbyterian Church in this country. For generations, his church was a Bible teaching center in the heart of Philadelphia. Dr. Boyce was well known as a conference speaker and through his many books, but in the spring of the year 2000, uh, he was diagnosed with advanced liver cancer and he died eight weeks later. After his diagnosis, he made a brief announcement to his congregation about his illness and the course of treatment that he was pursuing. And in those comments, he addressed the question regarding how people should be praying for him. Should we be praying for a miracle, he asked. Not necessarily. There's no doubt, he said, that God can work miracles, but the God who works miracles could have prevented the cancer in the first place. Instead, he asked his congregation to pray for the doctors that they might have wisdom in pursuing the proper course of treatment. And then he spoke uh, the rest of his time about the goodness of God. And that even in his cancer, that was known to God and would be part of God's plan for his life. He also recognized that humanly speaking, his life may well be measured in weeks, not months or years. But I was comforted and humbled as I read his words because his faith kept shining through. And it shows itself in the very weakness that Paul's talking about in our text this morning. Dr. Boyce said that he didn't know what God wanted to do through this attack of cancer. Perhaps God would heal him, or perhaps he would soon be in heaven. But that God is always good was very clear to him, even though God's plan was not altogether known. And so it is for all of us most of the time. Rarely can we be absolutely sure of what God wants for us in a particular situation. After we've made our requests to God, especially regarding the crisis issues of our life, we must ultimately cry out, but God, I don't know what you want, but I want your will to be done, even if it means that my will is not done in this situation, because you truly know what's best. Let's look at the end of verse 26. It says, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. We need the help of the Holy Spirit because we don't know how to pray. Paul says that the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And it is in those moments when we cannot pray that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. It also means that when we lift our feeble prayers, sometimes our ignorant prayers, uh, to God, the, the Holy Spirit takes them and translates them into the language of heaven. So no one knows exactly how this happens because it's a ministry that goes on between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. But I'm guessing that it goes something like this. We may be praying for a new job, but the Holy Spirit speaks to the Father and says he thinks he wants a new job but he, because he's weary of the pressure. But I know it's your will that he learned to depend entirely on you. So please don't give him that new job right now. 
Instead, give him supernatural strength and send him a Christ follower to be alongside of him to give him encouragement. And because the Holy Spirit always prays according to the will of God, that's the prayer that gets answered. One commentator on this text says the Holy Spirit makes us want to pray. He teaches us how to pray, and he helps us as we pray. And when we can't pray at all, he prays for us. What a great promise and what a great encouragement that is. Sometimes we are so confused. We're so worried. We're so hurried. We're so pressured. We're so ill, so distracted, so tired, so weary that words just don't come. Often the best prayers are unheard and unspoken, and they arise from a broken heart to the God who hears the groanings that cannot be put in words. Look at verse 27. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. How do we know that God hears those thoughts and prayers and longings that come from deep within our spirit? Verse 27 tells us that God is constantly searching our hearts because the Father knows what the Spirit is thinking. There's perfect harmony, perfect intimacy. There's no contradiction between the Spirit in us and the Father in heaven. And when the Spirit intercedes for us, he will always intercede according to God's will. So when we pray, we say what's on our hearts. And the Spirit says to God the Father, what she really means is this. If she knew better, that's what she'd be asking for. She wants to be like Jesus, so this is what she really needs. See, God already knows our deepest desire. Sometimes we talk about having an unspoken prayer request. Often unspoken prayer requests are things so close to our heart that we dare not mention them in public. They're deep, they're private, they're precious. But verse 27 reminds us that there are no unspoken requests with God. You know, there's an old gospel song that says, Jesus knows our every weakness, and he does. He knows what we need before we ask. There's a great encouragement in our text, even though we may not see it at first. Our suffering, our uncertainty, our struggle in prayer with doubt, confusion, and worry over the future reveals our weakness. It strips away the mask of self-sufficiency. It displays our utter helplessness. It forces us to confront our own inabilities. And we are forced to say, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm not invincible. But it is in those moments that the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help in our need. The Spirit who himself is part of the Trinity prays to God the Father, also part of the Trinity. In the name of Jesus the Son, also part of the Trinity. You see, in our moment of weakness, God is praying to God in God's name on behalf of God's children. What an amazing thought that is. In our weakness, when we feel desperate about the things that truly matter to us and we don't know what to say, all we need to do is cry out to God. And the message is, don't worry. That's enough because you have someone who's praying for you. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.34 that we... Know that Jesus is in heaven praying for us and pleading our case to God. But Paul goes a step beyond that. He says, when we come to the moment of complete exhaustion and can no longer frame the words, we don't have to worry. The Holy Spirit will pray for us. In our weakness, he is strong. When we cannot speak, he speaks for us. When we lean against that wall of desperation, crying out to God, when we whisper, God, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to pray about this, the Spirit comes alongside and says, 
hey, don't worry, I got this. He speaks for us. As I studied this text, I got some help from the reformer Martin Luther. Writing some 450 years ago, he commented that it's good thing, it's a good thing if we occasionally receive the opposite of what we pray for, because that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. We may be praying, Lord, do this and this and this, and meanwhile the Holy Spirit is saying, Lord, what he really means is this. Don't pay any attention to those words. If he saw the bigger picture, he'd really be asking for this. So as we pray from our weak and our limited perspective, the Holy Spirit takes a divine eraser and he corrects our prayer, so to speak, so that God's will is always done, even in our most wrong-headed moments. Since the Holy Spirit knows what God's will is and since God searches our hearts, he's able to pray for us in ways that always correspond with God's will. One sign that this is happening is that we pray for one thing and God does the opposite. Does that mean that our prayers are in vain? Not at all. Does it mean we shouldn't be praying? Not at all. It simply reveals our inherent human weakness and the limitation of our perspective about life. We see in part, the scripture says, the Holy Spirit sees the whole picture. We see one little piece. The Holy Spirit sees it all. We pray according to the little bit that we know, and the Holy Spirit prays with perfect knowledge. So what should this text be doing for our faith? Well, I hope that it encourages us at least to pray with confidence. See, God doesn't judge our words as much as he listens to our heart. We pray to a God who can discern the prayer within the prayer. He hears the words we say. He also understands our heart cry and the hidden desires that lie underneath the prayer. He can give us the substance of what we're asking for even while refusing the form it takes. That is, he can say yes to our deepest desires even while he says no to our surface requests. Thus, we, you know, we get what we truly desire even though it may not be what we ask for. There's some words of Henry Viscardi that bring truth, this truth home in a powerful way, and I know many of you have heard them before, but let me share them again. He says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of others. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life so that I could enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but I got everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered, and I am among all people most richly blessed. Romans chapter 8 teaches us that God, who is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, is involved in our life and especially our prayer life. We all want to believe that God hears our prayers, but in this chapter it tells us that Jesus is interceding in heaven for us and the Holy Spirit is on earth interceding for us, both making our prayers more effective. What could be better than that? You may feel weak and discouraged today, but know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you today. So we come to the end of this series on prayer and I hope that you've been encouraged 
even today by Romans 8, 26 and 27, because it's a great reminder that when we are just so discouraged, when the pain is very deep, when the disappointment is profound, when the sense of loss is overwhelming, and we can't put it into words, the Holy Spirit says, my child, I understand. Just let me take over. I'll talk to God for you. And he prays for us with groans that words cannot express. Even when no one else cares or understands or knows, even when we can't understand anything in the world going around, going around us, even when the present seems bleak and the future a dark mystery, Jesus is in heaven and the Holy Spirit is on earth interceding for us. We are being prayed for by the number one prayer team in the universe. And that ought to give us some encouragement. God has given us this gift, and the gift is prayer. It was never meant to be a burden, but rather the source of unlimited blessing for us and for those around us. And God has made it possible for us to pray about anything and everything, anytime, anywhere. And when we can't pray, when the words won't come, when we don't know what to pray for, God has given us his spirit who prays for us. What an honor, what a privilege, what a gift. And what a God who would make that kind of provision just for us. Let's pray. Lord, help us not to feel ashamed of our weaknesses, but, to let, but let us see every weakness as an opportunity for you to show yourself strong on our behalf. We realize that when we can't even pray on our own, that you take our prayers and make them your own. So you hear and answer them because you are good and you are loving. Thank you for covering our prayers by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, and it is in his name today that we pray.